Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 476 for your May 11th, 2023. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Thursday afternoons. Happy hour. Wherever you may be, man. We got a lot to get into today, man. We got a lot to get into. This AEW news, man, is very exciting. Very exciting. We're going to go over everything that we know, legitimately everything that we know about Tony Khan and this AEW Warner Brothers Discovery TV rights deal that's been lighting the IWC on fire. The AEW fanatics, the AEW stands, the diehards, the elitists, they can't believe it. Their beloved AEW is making history. They can do no wrong on any given week. The haters, the virgins, the geeks, the womanless. Degenerates 
slobs are crying. They are crying. They can't believe what they're seeing, man. The death of AEW was nothing more than a fabrication. Something that they conjured in their silly little imaginations. I'm here to tell you, and I'm here to be the bearer of bad news. AEW is alive and well. AEW is alive and well. And they're not going anywhere. And Tony Khan is making history. And Tony Khan is bringing AEW to the most lucrative year of their existence. Sounds pretty great for a t-shirt company. And listen, man, if that is... The next level of a t-shirt company, man. I want to... Sign me up. I want to be a part of that. Who would have thought making t-shirts in Chicago, man, would lead to this type of uh, booming business? Cry, 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 man. All of you slobs, you fuel me and quench my thirst. I love it. I guess now I should buy a new AEW hoodie, uh, being that this one is uh, never washed. We're going to go over all that, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go over CM Punk and all the news surrounding CM Punk with his impending return to the company. We got major news on who his first opponent will be, who his first feud will be, what's going to happen to Rampage, what the plans are. Flipping gears to the WWE side of things, man. We got news on Backlash coming out of Backlash. We got news on Brock Lesnar. We got news on several things coming out of Backlash. Where does Damian Priest stand in WWE after a tremendous performance? Will we see Carlito cool? I spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. Carlito. Will WWE return to Puerto Rico? I'd love to visit Puerto Rico one day, man. I could go for a pina colada. Jesse, you, uh... Jesse, you you mind making me a pina colada, bro? What are you talking about? We got no pineapple. The fuck are you talking about? I want my pina colada and a pineapple, motherfucker. You know... I want an umbrella in it. I want one of them festive straws. We got any of that shit, man. Who the fuck's doing inventory around here? You got to cover impact. (laughs) Oh, man. Jesse's joined the three people who watch impact, bro. I don't believe you. You're a fucking comedian, man. Go make me a fucking old-fashioned then, you motherfucker. This fucking... I'm gonna get rid of this guy, man. I, I swear to God. Watch it, Impact. <laughs> oh, man. Jesse, listen, man. You're a fucking comedian, bro. I don't believe you. I really don't understand you, bro. Seriously. I need you to get me what I need. Otherwise, I'm gonna dump you on Wednesday nights, Okay. I don't even know why I come here. I, I don't know why you're here, man. You're fucking useless to me, you fucking clown. Anyway, um, Puerto Rico. Went off on a fucking pina colada tangent here. Uh, listen, uh, Backlash, Puerto Rico. I'd love to visit Puerto Rico one day. We got news coming out of 
uh, backlash in Puerto Rico. And if WWE wants to uh, once again venture down there, man, we'll talk about that. And we got plenty, plenty to get into today. So uh, without any further ado, let's get into it, man. I don't want to waste any more of your time. Uh, I don't want to waste this guy's time either over here. Uh, Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny had a tremendous backlash on Saturday, this past Saturday. And it was built around the match between Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. Tons of news coming out of backlash. This is all coming from Fightful. Tons of news coming out of Backlash. WWE was very happy about Backlash. Now, granted, granted, it was a B-level pay-per-view. There really wasn't a lot to be excited about going in. I mean, let's not really get ahead of ourselves, please. Seth Rollins versus Omos didn't make any sense. Bronson Reed versus Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory for the United States title didn't really make any sense and was a predictable outcome because Lashley and Austin Theory, they've been on and off feuding for I don't even know how long. Bobby Lashley's got bigger things in mind than the United States title, so he wasn't winning that. Bronson Reed is over on Monday Night Raw. He's where the IC title is and Gunther, so he was not winning that match. Throwaway match, predictable so, nothing there. We had Io Shirai, Io Sky versus Bianca Belair, which will go down as one of the best women's matches that WWE does all year. Tremendous match to open the show on Saturday night. Io obviously did not win. Bianca Belair, she is still the SmackDown. Oh, no, she's the uh, Raw. I don't, even know who's, I don't even know who's fucking champion anymore. She's the Raw women's champion holding the title on SmackDown. And Rhea Ripley is the SmackDown champion Holding the belt on Raw. But then I got people telling me that WWE was going to set the foundation straight with the draft, right? They were going to shake the foundation or whatever the fucking narrative was. I mean, yes, the draft clearly was not planned in advance. Otherwise, moves like that, which were avoidable, would not be made. Don't know why the championships are on the opposite shows, and I just have a feeling one of these weeks, Vince McMahon's going to get tired of it and say, ah, son-in-law, what about these titles? Let's just trade them like I'm trading baseball cards back in the day. No, we don't need that. We don't need that. I hope there's some bigger plan involved, like, uh, I don't know, maybe merging the divisions and make, make, making one title, one universal title for the women. Maybe, maybe. I'd love I'd love if that happened. I'd love if that was the case, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar match was garbage. Let's be real. Anybody's like, oh, well, Cody Rhodes, and Brock Lesnar. It was nine minutes of the same shit that you've been given for the last how many years with Brock Lesnar? Oh, but he was bleeding. You don't got anything to say when John Moxley bleeds. Who gives a shit? The match was fucking terrible. Boring. Same shit every single time. What, what, do you, what do you expect is going to change while they go into Saudi Arabia? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Complete waste of my time. And then they got a fluke victory for Cody Rhodes as he pinned Brock Lesnar in the Kimura lock. Clearly, it wasn't going anywhere. And clearly, he wasn't winning that fucking big world title on Monday Night Raw that was supposedly exclusive to the brand, which we know is not the case. Then we got Zelina Vega and Rhea Ripley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. You know, the title that should be on SmackDown, but it's on Raw. Uh, people in the community, they were uh, 
They were really trying to. They were really trying to state their case. Yeah, really. They were. They were really trying to state their case about Zelina Vega winning the SmackDown Women's Championship and giving her a uh, a nice coup in Puerto Rico. I, I don't believe these, but thank God WWE doesn't go out there and hire fucking marks for their writing team. That's all I'm saying. Because if that was the case, uh, we would have been in for a complete disaster. Really. Selena Vega should have never won the championship and nowhere should it even even have been a thought in anybody's head. All because she's in Puerto Rico and because it's a moment you want to take the title off of somebody that you just gave the title to in what people were claiming was the best women's match ever in WWE, which is not. Let's be real. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair is not the greatest women's match of all time. That goes to Sasha Banks and Bayley, uh, if you already didn't know that. But I, I don't understand that. Why would you ever even think that? Woman hasn't had one title defense. Now, what do you think they do with Rhea Ripley after she beats Selena Vega? Right into a feud with Natalia, pal. My God. How do you tell me you got no plans for Rhea Ripley without telling me that you actually have no plans? Ridiculous. And then we got the Bloodline and Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Matt Riddle. Uh, Do not, do not, and I mean under no circumstances... Should you go search Matt Riddle on Twitter? Don't. I did not. But from what I was told, just keep away. Just log off Twitter. Just, you know what? Just, just delete the app. Just delete the app, really. That was basically backlash in a nutshell. Uh, nothing really, uh, nothing really substantial on that show. It was basically a Monday night with a incredible crowd in Puerto Rico. Um, but there was a lot of news coming out of the show. Now, first of all, Brian Kendrick, Brian Kendrick, yes, Brian Kendrick helped Jamie Noble produce the Bad Bunny and Damian Priest match. Uh, that was what was being reported, uh, but that was not the case. Brian Kendrick did not produce the match. Kendrick was actually not listed internally as a producer for the match. However, Brian Kendrick was involved in the match. And he did help put the match together with Damian Priest and Bad Bunny as he trained them for the show. So that is what happened there with Brian Kendrick. So if you heard Brian Kendrick's name being thrown around, you know, Brian Kendrick was supposed to make an AEW appearance. Not, uh, it was a, what was it, a year and a half ago, two years ago, maybe less than that. I don't really remember the time frame, but uh, he got uh, caught on social media for some outlandish conspiracy theories. And uh, Tony Khan uh, basically said, uh, nope, I'm not bringing you in after that because there was fan outrage. Cancel culture ran wild on Brian Kendrick and uh, Tony Khan had to uh, bow down to the cancel culture. And Brian Kendrick and, and the shit that he said legitimately, Tony Khan made the right decision. There was no way he was going to be allowed on television or be accepted. So uh, that was the case there. But WWE clearly doesn't have a problem with it. They brought him in and he helped train Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. So there you go. The original plan called for a tag team match with Bad Bunny and Rey Mysterio versus Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio. I thought that was going to be the case, but that clearly was not the way that they went. Uh, they were told, uh, Fightful was, that all parties involved were confident in Bunny's training to have a one-on-one match. It goes without saying, WWE was clearly, clearly uh, ecstatic about the match and how it turned out and the reception to it. And uh, Fightful said that they were told the spot paid for itself in publicity. 
It will go down as one of the more memorable celebrity matches that WWE's ever put on. And the crowd, you know, I'm not into the music that Bad Bunny creates. I'm not a Bad Bunny guy. But what he's done for WWE is absolutely tremendous. Respectable stuff. And that entrance, man, the entrance for Bad Bunny at Backlash was probably one of the most exciting entrances I've seen. Uh, and I, I don't want to say it was one of the best entrances ever, but especially in the modern era right now, that entrance, man, I had to watch that shit about five, six, seven times. It was crazy. The drone shot, the aerial drone shot that they had with Bad Bunny's entrance, that added a lot to it. I thought it was fantastic stuff. Another spot that WWE was actually excited about was the return of Carlito. I spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. I love Carlito, man. Several backstage spoke about how much Carlito had matured since his WWE run and said that the reaction from the crowd was even better than expected. There have been numerous pitches over the last couple of years to bring Carlito in for runs or even full time. Fightful's been told that as of this past weekend, Carlito's appearance with WWE was a one-off, but clearly that can always change. There was a report that Carlito said he would be willing to talk if people approached him and gave him something that he could sink his teeth into. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means. But the guy looks fucking phenomenal. And I don't know why WWE wouldn't at least approach him and ask for something out of Carlito. It's ridiculous. I mean, if you guys can get, he's 44 years old. I mean, AJ Styles is around that age. Bobby Lashley's older than that. We got Edge on TV producing high quality shit. I mean, I don't know why you would not entertain Carlito back on WWE television, especially after the reaction that he got in Puerto Rico. I think he would fit like a fucking glove on SmackDown. The Cody Rhodes match with Brock Lesnar was faced with a lot of questions, says Feifel. They were told that blood was planned for the match. WWE sources at least claim that things went the way that they were supposed to. Now, Brock Lesnar split himself open hard way. There was no blading. There was no uh, shenanigans at all. There was a turnbuckle pad that went missing during the match. And Brock Lesnar charged in at one point, hit his head on the turnbuckle spot and or the exposed turnbuckle, I should say. And then he started bleeding all over the place. And Kevin Dunn did his very best not to shoot Brock Lesnar's bloody face. And that added whatever element they needed to the match, even though the match at that point was a fucking just bore fest at that point. I didn't really care about it whatsoever, but it went the way that WWE wanted it to go. Now, contrary to rumors, Cody Rhodes was never scheduled to be squashed at Backlash. There were rumors going around that Cody Rhodes was going to be squashed like Brock Lesnar squashed John Cena many SummerSlams ago, 15, 16 suplexes where Suplex City was actually born from that John Cena match at SummerSlam. And everything went the way that it should. Everything that they planned, everything that you saw was what they had planned for the match coming in. It went nine minutes, 10 minutes or so. Uh, It didn't really excite me whatsoever. I felt like it actually suffered by going on last because Bad Bunny and Damian Priest was so fucking good, which begs the question, why didn't WWE put Damian Priest and Bad Bunny on in the main event? Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes is not, especially in Puerto Rico, not going to be as hot as Damian Priest and Bad Bunny, so why didn't we switch the way the matches were ordered? 
I didn't really understand it. Looking back at it, now you know why it should have main evented. Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. I don't know. Now, I got another news and note on Brock Lesnar. I'll get to that in a second. Let's finish up here with these uh, notes coming out of Backlash. Uh, There were also incorrect rumors, say Fightful, that there was a stretcher job in an ambulance spot planned. Fightful was able to get a look at the preparation plans for the weekend show, and ambulances were not mentioned, and every prop had to be cleared by Triple H himself. Also, additional clearances would have been required there in Puerto Rico if they wanted to get a little adventurous and do something uh, outside the box. Former WWE star Lana and boxer Amanda Serrano were in attendance. Trinity Fatu and Mercedes Monet posted that they were nearby training at Beast Mode Wrestling. And several of the WWE talent told Fightful that they were late to the show, but put over the atmosphere, the environment, the crowd, and the overall experience. And they all had a great time in Puerto Rico. They were late to the show. I wonder why. Most of them were still partying on the beach in Puerto Rico, drinking pina coladas and having a great time. I don't blame them. It's almost like they're going on vacation because the last time WWE's been in Puerto Rico was 19 years ago. So good for them. Now, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Apparently, Brock Lesnar has a different set of rules for him and what he does. You know, uh, rules, the traditional rules in WWE don't apply to Brock Lesnar. Rules for thee, but not for me. Or I should say rules for thee and uh, no rules for beastie. Or whatever the case may be. WWE reportedly allows Brock Lesnar to bleed in his matches when he wants. They allow blood in Brock Lesnar matches at his discretion when he wants to actually go out there and work. Now, Now, before I even get into... Before I even get into the report, the rules are different. You might be looking at this and say, well, why are the rules different for him? Brock Lesnar could do whatever the fuck he wants. I mean, he's Brock Lesnar. I mean, let's be real. Vince McMahon is still in charge. Why would you expect otherwise? Now, the way I look at it, the way I look at it, and I hope you guys look at it this way as well. Brock Lesnar does not work with just anybody. If Brock Lesnar does not want to work with you, he will not work with you. If Brock Lesnar does not want to work with you, but Vince McMahon wants him to work with you, Brock Lesnar's not going to go out of his way to make you look good. He's going to barely scrape by, and he's going to do what he's got to do because Vince said so, and then he's going to go home. The reason why Brock Lesnar bled for Cody Rhodes hard way and went about it the way that he did He tried to spear him into the corner or shoulder tackle him into the corner and the exposed turnbuckle was there and he went right into headfirst the exposed turnbuckle. If Brock Lesnar is willing to bleed for you hard way, then that must mean he respects you and he wants to work with you. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great, 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. So, yes, Brock Lesnar may be allowed to bleed, but how many people has he actually bled for hard way? The only other one I can remember is either The Undertaker or Randy Orton, and that's it. You guys remember that fabled night at SummerSlam where Brock Lesnar started elbowing uh, Randy Orton? I don't think they were allowed to bleed in that match. Brock Lesnar said, yeah, sure, let's do it. I'll do whatever the fuck I got to do to get you over. That's exactly what they did. The Undertaker, I mean, that goes without saying that they are very, very good friends. So the fact that Brock Lesnar is willing to bleed for Cody Rhodes must mean that Brock Lesnar ultimately respects Cody Rhodes. So that's a great way to look at it. Now, WWE has had a no-blood policy for years. You know that they do not bleed. I mean, WWE's done steel cage matches. They've done war games. They've done Hell in a Cell and no blood. No blood. It is something that I truly wish that they would change and be a little bit more open to. Those types of matches need blood. I don't want them to bleed every fucking week. But when you go into a War Games or you go into a Hell in a Cell, I want there to be some color. There has to be some color. It absolutely calls for it. Their policy has been to tell the referees to put the match on hold and clean up the blood in order to prevent it from being shown on camera. Now, they didn't really stop the match. What the fuck are you going to do? Tell Brock Lesnar, yeah, listen, Brock, I'm going to need you to wipe this down, okay? You're not going to tell Brock Lesnar to stop what he's doing. You're going to let the fucking guy bleed. He's a fighter. Now, Kevin Dunn, he did shy away from shooting Brock Lesnar's face. He did everything possible to shoot the back or the side of Brock Lesnar without actually showing his face. So they let blood go because that was the script, says Dave Meltzer. It's unusual if it's anyone else. Now, Alvarez brought up that Finn Balor was cut during his WrestleMania match with Edge. The cameraman did not show the cut, but they didn't try to hide the fact that Lesnar was bleeding at Backlash. They didn't stop the Lesnar match with Cody at Backlash. They stopped the match for at least 30 seconds, 45 seconds against Edge inside Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania. They legitimately stopped the match. The medical officials had to get in there and take care of Finn And I don't know what they did to him, wipe him down. They stitched him up, stapled his head there live. They stopped the match. They did not do that with Brock Lesnar. Now, Meltzer added, it was part of the show. Brock Lesnar has different rules than anybody else. We've seen it how many times on pay-per-view? Probably a half a dozen times, maybe more. If Brock Lesnar wants to do color, Brock Lesnar can do color. Everybody else might get in trouble for it, but he has different rules. It's crazy because if Brock Lesnar insists on getting color they might as well let him blade rather than risk a concussion or something serious by running his head into a metal buckle as hard as he can to split his head open. Melcher does have a point there. He's done that more than once. He's done that into the ring post as well. End quote. Now, there's been several tons of blood spilled in Lesnar's matches in the past. Most notably, like I mentioned, Randy Orton. 2016 SummerSlam where Lesnar hit Randy Orton with elbows to the top of the head to cut him open legitimately. The spot had many people backstage shocked, and it led to Chris Jericho confronting Lesnar, but it was revealed later 
that the bloody spot was planned beforehand. That's the problem. That's the problem. They keep everything secret with Brock Lesnar. And then, you know, they see it. The, the rest of the locker room sees it. Well, how come he's doing that? But we aren't allowed to do that. So clearly Jericho acted like Lesnar did it legitimately on purpose. Like he went in there to injure Randy Orton. Meanwhile, the whole fucking thing was okay before the match got underway by Vince McMahon. John Cena bled during his match with Lesnar at SummerSlam 2014. In other cases, wrestlers have been fined heavily for bleeding. Several years ago, Jericho revealed that he and Batista were fined because Batista bled during their match. Batista was fined $100,000 and Jericho as well with the agent, Dean Malenko, was fined $5,000. Rules for thee, but not for me. Rules for thee, but not for Beast E. It's crazy. Lesnar appeared on Raw on Monday with a black eye and a cut on his head with Cody Rhodes, where he put Cody Rhodes through the announce table once again and made it all about me! It's about me! Look at me! Meanwhile, there was no explanation as to why he targeted Cody Rhodes in the first place, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that one of these weeks, we get an explanation as to why he's wrestling Cody Rhodes. Maybe. If Vince wants us to understand why, which in most cases is not. There's been a ton of praise for Damian Priest and the work that he's been doing, especially with the feud against Bad Bunny. Damian Priest has stepped up his work especially during his time in Judgment Day. He has absolutely gone from, if you guys remember, man, he was doing that whole fucking uh, Lou Ferrigno thing. He was doing that uh, Jekyll and Hyde. He would go out to the ring calm, and then like Festus, the bell would ring, and then he snaps. He'd go out there calm, and then by the end of the match, he's... Listen, whatever Vince did to uh, to Damian Priest, ridiculous. That guy was that guy was dead to rights under Vince McMahon. Dead to rights. They didn't get him. They didn't give a shit about him at that point. At that point, he was a Triple H guy. He still is a Triple H guy. But at that point, they looked at him as a Triple H guy. This guy sucks. He came from uh, Paul's NXT. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take him, but we're going to bury him. We're going to embarrass him. That's all it was. Now you look at Damian Priest, and I can't even imagine looking back at where he came from, man, with Vince and Bruce running the show. So obviously with the Bad Bunny match, he carried Bad Bunny to a great match. Weapons, surprises. We got Savio Vega. We got Carlito. We got the LWO. Priest has been what is being called the anchor of the feud. Leading Bad Bunny, protecting Bad Bunny. And everything's been praised on social media in regards to Damian Priest. Stepping up his in-ring work, looking to be in great shape. His promo stuff has been great. The feud between Priest and Bad Bunny appears to be over right now. But WWE was not shy in wanting Bad Bunny back for SummerSlam. So we may get uh, something there between Bunny and Priest as the LWO and the Judgment Day. That feud may be done for now, but the fact that they're on different shows is the only thing stopping it for now because Judgment Day is on Raw and the LWO is on SmackDown. 
But I predicted that this will indeed be the War Games match for Survivor Series this year, unless there is another stable that comes across on Monday Night Raw that fused with uh, Judgment Day and kind of is a little bit more hot or hotter than the one that they have with the LWO, which I I don't believe will be the case. I I think we're looking at the War Games match here. So Bad Bunny may be a part of all that. Who knows? PW Insider is reporting that there has been praise internally for Damian Priest for everything he's done to level himself up. And one source stated that he has been seen as one of the top level players going forward. Now, this is where, and I understand WWE's in the in the midst of wanting to write new records and break records or rewrite their record books. This is what happens when WWE right now is in the middle of that. Priest has done so well that you could really make a case for him to be an intercontinental champion, to be a world heavyweight champion. This world heavyweight championship, no matter what you think of it, I know most of us think of it as a second-rate championship, second place, whatever you may want to go out there and call it. But at the end of the day, no matter if it's a second-place title or not, It could not have come at a better time because with somebody like Damian Priest continuing to level himself up, that's the type of guy, those are the types of guys that you want to go after that world championship. This is why WWE, this is why Triple H vouched and pushed for a world championship back on Monday Night Raw so that we can get guys like Damian Priest leveled up even further. And I think that would be fantastic. Guys like Balor, guys like Priest, guys like Gunther, right? And whoever else was drafted over there on on Monday Night Raw. Drew McIntyre. These guys have had nothing to fight over. Nothing to strive for, fight for. Because Roman Reigns has held those championships for so long. So that's the type of guy you want at the top moving forward. I could even see him when Gunther drops that intercontinental championship. I could see Damian Priest being the guy to take down you know, uh, an intercontinental champion in the future and and get himself an intercontinental title reign. Maybe Drew McIntyre beats Gunther. Who the fuck knows? I don't know. I don't know who is going to drop that title to at this point. Everybody thought it was going to be Sheamus, but clearly they got something else in mind. Maybe it's Drew McIntyre. What about Priest versus Drew McIntyre for the intercontinental title? I could absolutely see that being the case. You could have Damian Priest as the IC champion, Rhea Ripley as the women's champion, Finn Balor could be a world champion, I mean, you're looking at some great shit over there with the Judgment Day, man. They're all leveling themselves up. Damian Priest has helped level Rhea up. Rhea has helped level Dominic up. And Finn Balor came in and he took over the leadership role from Edge. Balor was already a great character when he joined the Judgment Day. It was the other members of the Judgment Day that needed more help. But Balor... He went down to NXT to kind of rebuild his heel persona, and then he got placed in the Judgment Day. I think that's great. I really do. All you're seeing with Finn Balor right now is basically an extension of what you were seeing in NXT. They brought him up from NXT. They did nothing with him. And then it was just a continuation from what he was doing there, his second go-around on the black and gold. So I, I love Judgment Day, man. I think they're great. I can't even imagine where the group would be if Vince was in charge. Uh, Listen, man, Edge leaving Judgment Day might have been the best thing possible for them, honestly. And I love Edge. Edge is fucking one of my favorite of all time. But the way that they had it going with him, 
I don't know if we would see this version of Judgment Day with Edge still in charge. So it's probably best if he went and did his own thing and them feuding with him actually ended up being best for everybody. Priest is being booked, or was booked, I should say. He was in the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament, and he lost to Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth Rollins, with ultimately Seth Rollins going on to the finals and beating Finn Balor in the finals on Monday Night Raw. As for Bad Bunny, people in the company have praised him coming out of the Backlash match. He's put in work and takes everything he's done in WWE seriously, and it showed in Puerto Rico. He's great. I think he's fucking great, man. He is. Uh, he goes in there and he is not shy about getting dirty. And it's great. Now, with Carlito, I mentioned Carlito before. A lot of people in WWE would love to have Carlito back, but, I mean, the thing is, he says, nobody calls me. And I'm not sitting by the phone waiting for that phone call either. If something comes up, great. If not, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. He told this to Metro.co.uk. He's open to a good offer. 44 years old. He's in the best shape of his life. And he would be a great person to have on TV and get something out of while the time, you know, he has right now with with the way he looks and the way he, I'm sure, still wrestles. It would be great to get him on TV. He would also help the younger talent as well. I could see him wrestling Austin Theory for the United States Championship. I mean, there's so much you could do with Carlito uh, on WWE television. Now, in 2021, WWE did bring Carlito back to do a guest appearance in the men's Royal Rumble Rumble match. He wrestled and won a match the very next night on Raw, and there were reports that WWE wanted to sign him to a deal where he would be behind the scenes working as a coach and doing coaching and wrestling duties 50-50. I know MVP was doing that for a little bit, and that didn't really go anywhere. I don't think anybody really wanted to see MVP uh, wrestle weekly, so he was doing that. And then he kind of transitioned more into a managerial role, which was probably best for MVP. But they wanted that same thing for Carlito. No, thank you. The deal was never made. And there's been talk over the last few years that WWE wanted to bring him back in, but he's declined previous offers. Now, maybe he didn't get along with management. Maybe the creative sucked. Maybe they wanted him to do full-time and only wanted to do part-time. I don't know. It could be a, a plethora of things there for Carlito and why he wasn't brought in. So he continues to wrestle around Puerto Rico. He wrestles for WWC in Puerto Rico. And this comes from the wrestling accounts on Twitter, Boozer666, which is some sort of anonymous insider who's broken multiple stories over the past few months. He said that he just might accept it this time. Carlito's been offered a lot of times with a contract and stories, coaching, TV time. He kept He kept declining. But I guess it's time he knows what's right for him. He can be useful. So we will see. We will see. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Carlito, but he would be a great asset to the locker room. And if WWE wants to continuing or continue this Judgment Day and LWO feud, I think he'd be perfect for that. I really would. So we will see what happens with Carlito. Savio Vega was also brought back. He was more of a one-off than Carlito was. But we will see what happens with uh, Carlito back on WWTV. I would absolutely advocate for it 100% for Carlito. Several WWE talent are hoping that they go back to Puerto Rico. And they want Backlash to be the permanent home for Puerto Rico. Now, WWE, apparently they might not be going back to Puerto Rico for quite some time. Uh, according to Dave Meltzer, 
because WWE got paid to be in Puerto Rico by the tourism uh, people of Puerto Rico. And, and Meltzer went on to say that the tourism board paid WWE $1.5 million to hold a show there for Backlash. Now, it was praised. The crowd was great. One of the best crowds you'll probably see all year. And with everything that went on there, I don't see how WWE does not go back. It's certainly not going to be a case where they take another 19 years off to go back to Puerto Rico. They'll be back there. It's not going to be 19 years, but they'll be back there. So the thing is, Meltzer says, they're only going to come if they get paid to come. And seeing what it probably did for the economy there, I don't know why the tourism board wouldn't shell out another $1.5 million. I mean, they probably made bank on everything that was going on surrounding the WWE Backlash event. They're only going to come if they get paid. So that's up to how much the tourism board wants to pay. And usually when it comes to this type of thing, everything is different. Generally speaking, if they want to bring you in, if the tourism board brings you in, they're not going to bring you in every year. They're going to use their money to bring in another act. And they're going to use their money on another act next year. It won't always be WWE. For them to do pay-per-view generally, and London is the exception, because when they go to London, they're not getting paid by a tourism board. They just feel like it's time to do it, Meltzer stated. Now, the company was paid to hold events in Puerto Rico, although it was a big success. Fans may be waiting a little bit to see another show in Puerto Rico as WWE gets paid by the tourism board to run pay-per-views in the... uh, on the, or on the island, I should say, at Puerto Rico, they will likely just run house shows like they've been doing for years. And PW Insider Elite paid subscription reports that the talk backstage at Backlash amongst the wrestlers was hope that the company would make San Juan, Puerto Rico, the permanent home for Backlash, as the feeling was the crowd reactions for both SmackDown and Backlash were at the levels of a WrestleMania. They also feel like it made the post-WrestleMania PLE the most important event that it had been in years. And the, the roster, whoever spoke up about that, the talk backstage is not wrong. It absolutely did. Did it enhance SmackDown? Yes, it did. SmackDown was a run of the mill SmackDown, but the crowd aided in making it a very good watch. Backlash, look at the card they gave you. Not the most exciting card on paper, but you watch that show, it felt like a fucking major, major deal. 17,000 people were watching that show live. Did it feel like a WrestleMania crowd? You know, you could say that it did for those people down there in Puerto Rico. I attribute it to what Triple H used to do with the takeover shows. Same type of energy, same type of crowd. I mean, you could take a shit in the middle of the ring and the fans would be chanting, you know, this is awesome or fight forever. It was that type of crowd. I don't mind if WWE goes back to a place once a year to make it a destination. That's going to get a little, a little repetitive, if you ask me. Now, what I would do is I would absolutely go back to Puerto Rico, but obviously it's not going to be another 19 years. You got to let it sit. Let this moment sit. Let this moment die down. And then when WWE feels, you just know. Sometimes you just know when you got to do something. Like we know when we watch NXT, we'll watch whoever it may be. You just know it's their time to get called up. It's their time to go to the main room. You just know. Certain things you just know. WWE will wake up one morning and say, you know what? It's time to go back to Puerto Rico. So we'll see what happens there. They will be back. 
but don't expect it to be a yearly thing for WWE in Puerto Rico. We are going to get into the AEW news here, man. I want to, uh, I want to talk to you guys for a little bit, man, before we get into the news. I want a couple of minutes of your time. And uh, let me put on some music here. We got a major merchandise drop coming. Before we get into the uh, AEW, Collision, Warner Brothers, Discovery News. I don't really push my merchandise. It's something that I like to get done. I love it when you guys go to the shows. I love it when you wear the merchandise or rep the merchandise. We have a meet and greet no matter where I am. If we do hold a meet and greet, the JD's Negan shirts, the Summer Scam shirts, the JD Club, the JD Elite shirts. Awesome. Absolutely. I love seeing it. I see it from a mile away, man. I know, yeah, they're coming to see. They're coming to see us here at the meet and greet. I've been sitting on something for several years. And I think now is the right time to drop it. So what I'm going to do for you guys listening, because I was actually going to do this uh, tomorrow. I posted this. I believe it was on, uh, what's today, Thursday? I think I posted this Tuesday night on Twitter. The the reaction to it was very very nice. I was going to post this tomorrow because the game is actually coming out tomorrow. A, A new Legend of Zelda game is coming out. We got Tears of the Kingdom, the Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom for Nintendo Switch. It'll probably be probably be the last uh, Legend of Zelda game for the Nintendo Switch before we get a brand new Nintendo system and we have to wait another nine years for another Zelda game. I've been sitting on this design for about three years now. And I'm giving you guys the first opportunity to buy the shirt yourself. So I'm going to step away. And if you guys want to know what I'm talking about, the link will be in the description of this video right now you, you you will see the link right there man in the description you'll see JD from NY legend of JD from NY t-shirt go get yours today and I want to give you guys a little bit of a breather from the show make sure you go get your t-shirt man this is the first you're seeing this and when I say this is the absolute greatest design that we've ever had for merchandise when I say this is the best looking wrestling t-shirt in the entire community I absolutely mean it, man. I'll see you guys in a little bit. What I'm about to show you guys is something that I've been sitting on for three plus years. It's something that I wanted to do, something I wanted to get out to you guys, the fans of the podcast, and I could not pick a more perfect day to do it than today. With the release today of The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom for Nintendo Switch, I am unveiling an absolutely exclusive and limited time release. When they are sold, they are gone. You will never be able to get this shirt ever again until I say so. Until the next time I want to release something like this happens. But today, for a limited, and I mean limited time only, I want you guys to click the link that I'm providing in this tweet. It'll take you to where you need to be. Purchase the Legend of JD from NY t-shirt, a Zelda-inspired design right now, available exclusively at the link I'm providing below. Make sure you guys go and get yours today. 
In my honest opinion, man, there have been some banger t-shirts. We've had the Summer Scam t-shirts. We've had the JD is Negan designs, which you guys love. The JD Club shirts, which came in the white and the gold. This, by far, is the greatest merchandise accomplishment that the podcast has ever seen. Make sure you get yours today. After this, it's gone. So make sure you guys click the link down below. Let's celebrate the Legend of Zelda and the release of Tears of the Kingdom with your very own exclusive JD from NY, Legend of JD from NY t-shirt. Go get yours today. And I want to thank you guys, as always, for the massive support for the podcast. And I want to thank you guys very much from the bottom of my heart. It would mean a lot to me if you go and support by buying one of these t-shirts. Absolutely incredible design. And get yours today, man. It's going to be gone before you know it. So thank you guys very much. And I'll see you live back on the podcast for SmackDown tonight, right here on Off The Script. There you go, guys. Go get your brand new, brand new JD from NY t-shirt, The Legend of JD from NY, now available. Link is in the description of this very video. Go and check it out. Yes, that is Kevin Dunn as Ganondorf. That is Kevin Dunn as Ganon. I, of course, am Link, and... Charlotte Flair is the android princess, or the android queen, I should say. So make sure you guys go get that, man. I would uh, absolutely love it if you do, and it is a timed release. There is a number that is limited. I believe there's only 100 shirts. From what I was told from the guys that I'm working with, 100 shirts, and that's it. So when they are gone, they are gone. So go get yours today. Let's get into the AEW news, man. There's a ton of AEW news. A lot of AEW hype right now. The likes of which I have never seen in four years watching this fine program. We're going to start with Collision. AEW is set to debut Collision in mid-June, June 17th. And it will feature CM Punk as the star of the show. But that's not it. That's not the only thing we're doing. Apparently, we're getting a hard brand split or a soft brand split, depending on what is being reported. Uh, I think AEW having a brand split would be fucking fantastic, to be perfectly honest with you. I I think splitting the rosters would be great. Obviously, MJF would not be affected. He's the world champion. MJF would float on both shows, Dynamite and on Collision. Just take the championships and and divide them between the shows. For example... Jade Cargill is holding the TBS championship. So she would remain on Dynamite. She would defend that title on Dynamite, being that Dynamite is on TBS. Orange Cassidy, he would go and keep the international championship on TBS as well. Because Woodlow is the TNT champion. And Collision is going to be on TNT. So he, he could defend that title on TNT, the TNT championship. So I would split the titles appropriately. Uh, The tag team titles could remain on Dynamite. And the trios championships can go to Collision. And MJF would float between both shows as its world champion. Very simple. Split the rosters and divide the rosters up. Really embrace a true brand split. You watch one show for certain talent. And then you watch Dynamite for the other. And it would be great. It would be fantastic. Now, I don't know if they're actually going to go and do that, but I would do that, and I would love to see that happen. Now, 
Rumor has it that there are plans for a marquee match tentatively scheduled for the Collision Show. Obviously, it will be CM Punk, and CM Punk is pushing for a big return match for his return to AEW. There has been rumors that Chris Jericho and a program with Chris Jericho would be the first thing that CM Punk embarks on. But Punk has pushed for another return opponent out of the gates. I'll get into that in a second. It is not Chris Jericho. That may be the long-term feud, but for the interim to get his feet wet, work with somebody that he knows and trusts, and they have a mutual respect for each other, I think that's what CM Punk is looking for. AEW Rampage. I've seen some people in the chat asking what's going to happen with Rampage. Are they canceling Rampage? Are they going to go light on Rampage? AEW Rampage will become more of what WWF did with Sunday Night Heat. Now, if you guys are familiar with Sunday Night Heat, it's going to resemble what WWE, WWF did with Heat. Now, Fightful's told that many indie talent will be more likely to get opportunities on Ring of Honor programming. The last that Fightful heard, AEW content is set to be exclusively hosted on Warner Brothers Discovery platforms with Ring of Honor not a part of the deal. Ring of Honor will remain on Honor Club and you will have to pay $9.99 to watch what predominantly is going to resemble AEW Dark. They canceled AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation. They just got rid of those shows and made Ring of Honor dark. That's exactly what it is. I don't want to hear anything from anybody. I mean, if you look at what they're doing tonight, it's dark. Basically dark. However, Fightful had not necessarily heard that an entirely new deal has been reached for AEW programming as of yet. That's the rumor that next Wednesday they will be set to reveal this new TV deal. Those that we've spoken to say that collision on Warner Brothers Discovery in primetime is part of a new cash infusion for AEW and an extension of the partnership with the two sides. Warner Brothers Discovery sources have long spoken grow, uh, glowingly about the relationship with All Elite Wrestling and the deal is planned for an announcement around the time of the Warner Upfronts next Wednesday, which will be culminating from the theater at, uh, at Madison Square Garden. There was a lot of discussion and rumors, both online and within Warner Brothers Discovery and AEW, about this deal being a billion-dollar deal over the next few years, and that could all be true if all of their deals are set. However, Warner Brothers Discovery sources have indicated to, to Fightful that Collision was the planned upcoming announcement as opposed to an all-encompassing deal that included Dynamite. AEW and Warner Brothers Discovery sources have not confirmed a dollar figure. I don't think they're going to reveal or play their cards there to kind of tease you on what it could be. Um, Collision is a safe bet. This is just me speaking from what I'm reading here. Collision is a safe bet to say, you know what, yeah, uh, Warner Brothers sources, you know, it's the announcement of a new show. I think everybody kind of, I think Warner Brothers knows and the fans know that AEW's got a new show coming. It's been fucking talked about all over the place. It's not like they don't fucking know what's being said or what's being talked about. 
So they probably gave some crumbs to sap. And yeah, yeah, it's it's basically been planned all this time. And uh, the entire plan all the time was to announce collision at the TV upfront. Now, could they announce the TV deal as well as collision? Sure. But they're not going to really dive into that because that's the news everybody wants. That's the big story. How much is Tony Khan getting? How many years is Tony Khan going to be linked to Warner Brothers Discovery? How many more years do I have to hear people cry about ratings and how AEW should be dead and it should have died four years ago? Whatever the case may be. So that's the easy news. Collision. The big news. I'm not going to tell you. Listen, man, they're not going to ruin this surprise now. They're not going to give away their main event. Come on. The long and short of it is what we've been able to confirm is a good deal for AEW, an impending announcement of collision, CM Punk's planned return. We've not been able to confirm the rumored dollar figure or an all-encompassing deal. There were rumors last month that WWE and Warner Brothers Discovery had talks, but reps from both sides hadn't heard about that news whatsoever, and it was quickly shot down. Now, all that was reported was that somebody from a major publication with some inside knowledge to the situation, said that he heard from Warner Brothers Discovery that they'd love to talk to WWE. And when WWE heard that, their ears perked up. And the only reason why their ears perked up when Warner Brothers maybe showed interest in acquiring some WWE content is because WWE, they have tunnel vision. When it comes to ending AEW, when it comes to being petty, towards AEW and playing in their sandbox, WWE will look at any given avenue to try and ruin AEW in their momentum. That's the only reason why their ears perked up. Now, there are already several Saturday dates set to film Collision, but Fightful was told that when necessary, the company may book a venue two straight days and film on Thursdays. This is a mistake. This is a mistake. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means the potential for the show to be preempted is going to get in the way and they need to kind of maneuver around that. I don't want to hear any news about this show being taped. This show needs to be live every fucking week. As long as you are live every week, I will be there. If I got to sit through another fucking tape show that feels like Rampage, I'm out. I do not want this to turn into another fucking Rampage where results are leaked and it's got this rushed feel and it feels like the energy is not where it needs to be because it's a tape show. You know you're watching a tape show and it's not overly exciting. I don't know what that means, but if the show is not live, then I'm I'm out. I'm out. I'm not signing up for weekly tape shows. It needs to be live or not. I'm gone. There isn't expected to be a hard brand split. And that's been going around. The report is it's a soft brand split, a hard brand split. Now it's back to being a soft brand split. They've heard if this has anything to do with keeping Punk and the Elite apart, uh, sources indicated that both sides of, uh, or both sets of talent would occasionally appear on Dynamite and Collision when it's called for. So what I read is that 
When the elite is not on dynamite, then Punk will be on dynamite. When Punk is not on collision, then the elite will be over on collision. That's got the makings of disaster. Just throwing that out there. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds like fucking just childish garbage. At this point, there should have been amends made. Men should have spoken to each other and the, the entire situation should have been buried. But we're still acting as if these guys hate each other and I can't work with him. I can't work with them. And for all we know, Sam Punk wants to let bygones be bygones. He wants water to be under the bridge. He went out of his way to go apologize to the fucking Miz and Triple H by showing up at a WWE show. Sam Punk is trying to get out there. The world tour continued with Mercedes in New Japan. He went to go visit Trinity and the Impact roster. I mean, man, Sam Punk is a terrible fucking guy, man. But all these people got so many great things to say about him. Now, this isn't expected to be a hard brand split, but Fightful has been told that there are plans to have a fresh roster approach with some significant names. There are several AEW talent who have been sidelined and believe they'll appear on the show, but haven't outright been told that they are. Well, we got a glimpse of that last night. Thunder Rosa showed up on Dynamite. She went to go talk to Tony Khan per storyline. Miro showed up. He went to go talk to Tony Khan per storyline. So, Miro's been a name that we've asked for for months, years. Now, he's back. Great. Andrade's another one. He teased his return. Love Andrade. Get him back. Miro and Andrade, you know, CJ, Miro's wife, you know, months and months and months ago, said publicly, I will just end up back in WWE anyway. Really now? Really now? Do you know who's in charge over there? Because that man didn't leave. He never left. So the grass, honey, is not always greener on the other side, and it's not really looking all that green right now, or as green as it should. It would be a beautiful-looking lawn if Triple H was in charge 100%, but we know that's not the case. Same thing with Andrade. Same thing with Malachi. They all wanted to go back. Ah, Triple H is back. We got to go over there. We want to work with uh, Paul. No. Paul is only in charge a little bit. Paul is only in charge 50%. For all we know, Paul is only running one show and not two shows. They don't even want to acknowledge him as the chief content officer. Triple H has got to go through Vince McMahon for all the creative. Vince is running these shows via fucking Zoom. How many times are we going to hear that Vince is blowing up a script? You want to go back over there? Especially with the deal with Endeavor now and the uncertainty of people. Are you going to be paid? Are there going to be budget cuts? Why do I got to go back there ultimately to get fired when I got a nice cozy job here and TK's paying me? I don't like the I don't like the the back and forth on the brand split. Is it a soft brand split or a hard brand split? Fightful says that the plans are to have a fresh roster approach with some significant names. I don't want people appearing on both shows. I don't. I don't. The roster is too big for that. You're just going to run into a situation where you know, people are still not going to be used because you got a show to sell. You got more than enough top names to supply dynamite and supply collision. Let's try and do that. Plus, I find that shit fun. If I'm Tony Khan and I got to divide my roster, man, it's like I'm playing a fucking video game, man. I, I would consider that shit fun. Putting people on certain shows and making them exclusive to certain shows. Let's do something that WWE's not doing. Let's try and do it right. Let's do something over here that you know you can do right and better than what they're doing over there and make it 
fun. I know Tony Khan loves proving WWE wrong. Hey, they're doing this shit over there. They ain't doing it right. Let me show you how to do it. That's what I would do. The roster should be split. There is more than enough top guys in this company to solidify two shows. More than enough. And MJF is going to be appearing on both shows anyway if you want to really boil it down to who's going to go where. You got all these titles. You have more than enough titles to supply both shows. You got a world champion that can show up on Wednesday, can show up on Saturday. Let's do it right. And it needs to be live. It needs to be live. No questions asked. Now, the only thing with Collision, the only thing with Collision that I'm worried about is how many times is this shoe going to be preempted? That's the only thing I'm worried about. Baseball, hockey, basketball. That's what I'm worried about most. How many Saturdays are we going to invest in Collision and then come to find out Collision is preempted for three weeks because of the NBA playoffs or MLB playoffs? I don't want to run into a situation like that. Because then the momentum for the show is going to be stifled. People are going to get pissed off. Then they got to go search for it on another night at a different time slot. I mean, Warner Brothers is paying them, so I guess they don't really give a shit. They're expecting that to come with the territory. But as a fan, I fucking can't stand that shit. I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want to, I don't even want to deal with it now when Dynamite's preempted. It sucks. Kind of throws everything off. But the other thing is, not even with the preemptions on what's happening on their own station. This is a Saturday night. They do realize that they're going up against mega competition on Saturday night. Mega competition. You got UFC happening every Saturday. Then you got Saturday night football, right? They do Saturday night NFL football. Everything happens on Saturday night. Everything. Then you got WWE PLEs happening on Saturday night. Now, this is where I personally run into a problem. Where do you think I'm going to go? I ain't watching Collision. I'm not going to be reviewing Collision. I'm going to have to touch that on the next day. I'll watch it, review it the next day. But if you're going to compare Collision and PLEs for WWE, which right now are slated to happen on Saturday night, this is the new Nick Khan man initiative. Saturday night PLEs. Because that's where everything's going down. I'm going to more than likely go and do WWE shows. That's where the bread and butter is. That's where the money is for me. So you guys, I don't want to hear any complaining when it comes down to that, but that's exactly what they're going to have to go up against. And then you're going to hear the vicious cycle continues. The ratings, the ratings, the ratings. Meanwhile, you got this game on, that playoff game on, that UFC fight on, WWE, PLEs, all happen at the same time. And you're worried about fucking ratings. It's going to happen. Saturday, it looks great on paper. But Saturday, and listen, man, I appreciate Saturday night primetime wrestling, man. I love that shit. It brings me back to what, you know, was my childhood. But now, that shit is a terrible, terrible fucking time slot. That's why it needs to be live. Maybe on those weeks where all that shit's going on, maybe they'll skimp and go, go and tape the show, but... They're going to have a huge battle coming at them from all different angles, man. It's going to be like Lord of the Rings, the two fucking towers, where that big battle is happening. You got the fucking orcs and the giants and the fucking catapults destroying the castle, and AEW's got to put up their fucking fort. How many different, how many different armies are going to be tackling them down 
from every which direction. It's going to be crazy. So they're, gonna, they're already going to be facing an uphill battle. I'm excited for the show. I'm excited for what could be a brand split. It needs to be a hard brand split. I don't know how they're going to attack the brand split. But if we're splitting people from one show and putting them on the other to keep them away from people that they don't like working with, that's a fucking terrible look. That's a terrible look. Nobody wants to really invest their time in babies and pussies and this childish-like behavior. Let's put on a wrestling show, work together. Nobody's asking you to to go out for drinks after the show and fucking rub elbows and be buddy-buddy. Work with each other, protect each other, do business, and go the fuck home. You could talk about however you want to talk about them and who you don't like away in your own personal space. Now, CM Punk, we all know CM Punk is going to be angling for a big spot on this show. This is going to be his show. Warner Brothers has requested Punk be on the show. And with Tony, not really right now, supposedly, not really in a position to put Punk back on Dynamite to work with the elite and have them all share the same locker room. Punk is going to be given collision. This is going to be CM Punk's show. Fightful is reporting. That collision will see CM Punk star as the main guy on the show. Now, they've been told, we have been told through various outlets that Chris Jericho and a program with Jericho and Punk has been worked on, pitched, and that the two men even had a meeting about it. Now, nobody knows what came of this meeting that happened a couple of weeks ago in Florida. It might have been Tampa. I believe that's where Jericho resides I don't know what the meeting was about, but Tony Khan was there. FTR was there. Clearly, Jericho and Punk were there. If FTR were there to mediate and back up CM Punk, was it really more about creative? Or was it CM Punk and Chris Jericho squashing the beef and apologizing? Because if FTR is there, it certainly sounds like it's a creative meeting more than it is Punk and Jericho sitting down to squash beef or whatever problems they have. We could see CM Punk and FTR battle the Jericho Appreciation Society as a major program on that show. Now, I don't really deem that as a major starting point. Not really something I'm invested in right out of the gate. I'd be interested in seeing a Jericho and CM Punk program. I think that would be money. And I think a lot that comes along with that would be very entertaining television. But when I tell you exactly what's going to happen here with CM Punk and who he wants as his first opponent, you're probably going to say... Well, sign me the fuck up and let's not do Chris Jericho. This was more of a uh, a production meeting, a creative meeting, than it was squashing any problems that they have. CM Punk is apparently pitching another return opponent for June 17th. Sources close to Punk have indicated that he has become increasingly interested in working with Samoa Joe on Collision. Now, Joe has not wrestled on AEW television since Revolution, where he dropped the TNT title to Wardlow. However, he's been a regular on Ring of Honor TV as their world television champion. I wouldn't know. I don't watch it. Samoa Joe is somebody that I would love to see more on AEW television. I would absolutely have him drop. Because let's be real, and I mean this to nobody. I mean this as no disrespect to anybody who loves watching the Ring of Honor show I watched and I tune in here and there. I watch. I can't invest myself in it. I can't. 
It reminds me too much of Dark. You got Sonny Kiss wrestling on the show tonight with the Trustbusters. That, to me, is not something I want to see on my AEW television. Or Ring of Honor television. I'm sorry. When we watched shit like that, it was dark. So I attribute Ring of Honor to being the new dark, being that dark is no longer airing on YouTube. Samoa Joe should not be a part of that fucking circus. I'm sorry. Samoa Joe should drop the TV title to whomever they want to build up over there. Ring of Honor should be used as a playground to get reps in, get work in, get some stories on there, work the TV, get some crowd exposure, and then graduate to Rampage, where we'll get them on TNT. And then if you're good enough, then you're good enough to be on Collision and Dynamite. That should be the natural progression of shit. Why do we have... Samoa Joe, everybody was like, ah, oh, Ring of Honor's going to get a TV deal. Ring of Honor's going to get a TV deal. We got Ring of Honor on the app, which at this point, Dark was pulling in more viewers than fucking Ring of Honor on YouTube. How many people tune into Ring of Honor Weekly? 5,000? 6,000? How many active subscribers did they got over on Ring of Honor Club? 10,000? You're wasting Samoa Joe in front of nobody. Have him drop the TV title. Nobody would even realize that he's dropped it. Put it on somebody that you want to continue building up a young talent and get Joe back on AEW television. Everybody thought Ring of Honor was going to be the next big thing, a revival of Ring of Honor. That's why we got Claudio there holding the world title, the Lucha Brothers holding the tag team titles, and Samoa Joe holding the TV title. As far as I'm concerned, you're wasting prime talent by keeping them hidden on a fucking app show. Ring of Honor Club, where you can only watch it via the app. Meanwhile, you got all this shit happening on Collision and Dynamite and happening in AEW, and you want to keep these guys hidden. Why? I don't really understand it. Athena. Why is Athena? I see Athena being mentioned in the chat. Why is Athena holding the Ring of Honor Women's Championship? Who's watching her work? All I hear... All I hear is, oh, Athena's great. Athena is doing the best work of her career. Who's seeing it? Who knows what she is doing? You don't hear anything about Athena on social media. Athena should be on Dynamite. Athena should be on Collision. Athena should be holding a TBS championship. I can't see how anybody sits here and disagrees with me. I don't understand it. Who is watching this shit? Again, you like Ring of Honor? You watch Ring of Honor Weekly? God bless you. But like Jesse said, Jesse's in the chat right now. He watched it and live streamed it weekly doing a watch along. He stopped watching it because it got boring. He watched it and said, fuck this shit. I'm out. I need some story on my plate when I watch pro wrestling. He wasn't being fulfilled over there. Meanwhile, all I hear is all this story over there, this story over there. Look at the fucking card tonight and tell me where the story is. Get Joe, get Penta, get Phoenix, get Claudio, get Athena off of that show and start building the youth over on Ring of Honor to eventually build them up to the main shows. Use Ring of Honor as the indie hub where people come in and start working reps coming over from the indies. 
That's what it needs to be. Right now, you're just wasting time. So what? Samoa Joe's holding the TV title. Do we got to get to June 17th and CM Punk and Samoa Joe start a program and we're right back in the same fucking boat? We're going to be back in the same boat. If Samoa Joe is still on Ring of Honor television, and you guys know how much I hate this, if Samoa Joe is still on Ring of Honor television holding the TV title, we're going to put him in a feud with CM Punk with the TV championship still around Joe's shoulder, and we're going to get Ring of Honor shit, Ring of Honor titles, Ring of Honor wrestlers on an AEW show where right now things should be fixed to get rosters solidified from one show to the next show to the next show. If you're placed on a show, that is your show. This is why I have advocated for a brand split and them adhere to one. If you're on Ring of Honor, I don't want to see you anywhere near AEW television and vice versa. Ring of Honor should have their own roster. Collision should have their own roster. And Dynamite should have their own roster. Punk wants to work with Samoa Joe. Take my money. If I had my wallet here, I'd I'd start throwing my fucking debit card at the uh, camera. Take my money. Can you imagine Samoa Joe and CM Punk on television with a live microphone? This is why it needs to be live. Now, if it's not live and that's your major program, I'm still going to tune in because that's something that I'm interested in. That's something that I'm interested in. But if you're going to build that as your first major program on a new show, you have no problem at all keeping my interest. I mean, you could put that on any show. You could put that on Impact. You could put that on MLW. You could do that anywhere. You could do that in a fucking back alley somewhere where they're wrestling in front of three people. I'd be one of those three people. I would be there no matter what. That sounds a lot better than Chris Jericho now, doesn't it? CM Punk versus Samoa Joe? That's what I think sounds great. Samoa Joe and CM Punk haven't wrestled each other in any way, shape, or form since August of 2005. Now, when they were involved in a four-way elimination match uh, at Ring of Honor Redemption, Jamie Noble won the Ring of Honor World title in that match. The two have a story history across Ring of Honor, PWG, the United Kingdom, and their last one-on-one match on record is March 2005. So we're going back to 2005 where Samoa Joe and CM Punk had anything to do with one another. Joe and Punk went two times, two times to a 60-minute draw in Ring of Honor. And Joe has also pinned CM Punk twice. I'm loving this. Now, clearly, you know, if Punk wants something, if Punk is going to be the star of the show And Punk is going to start giving out recommendations on what he wants to do. More than likely, Punk is going to get what he wants. Because if you're making this his show, then Punk is going to get what he wants. If Punk is going to ask for something, then Punk is going to get what he wants. Warner Brothers wants Punk back. You want me back? I'm here. Now, keep me happy. Keep him happy. He's also got to do the right thing. It can't be a one-way street. It's got to be a two-way street back and forth. Warner wants him back. Tony clearly wants him back. Tony can't do any of this shit without CM Punk. Tony's not getting the type of money that's being reported without CM Punk back on television. So Punk 
needs to be a good guy. He needs to be that good guy punk that we know we can be. And punk needs to play ball here. No fights, no arguments, be a locker room leader, no scrum battles, no fucking cursing, no calling Adam Page a dim-witted dumb fuck. None of this shit. No eating muffins at a scrum. You can eat the muffins, but at this time I want you to smile and not fucking bury everybody. Mindy's. You can eat your Mindy's, but please don't bury anybody. So, yes, uh, I am in total favor of that. CM Punk angling for a big match with Samoa Joe. Uh, sign me up. I think you guys feel the same way about that. Now, the $1 billion. This $1 billion, this rumor, by the way, it's merely a rumor. This rumor of a billion dollars or however many millions, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions. It's not happening without CM Punk back on television. Warner knows that they got Punk. Tony Khan knows that he's got Punk. Tony Khan is using Punk as leverage to get AEW TV. This is why they brought him in. This is the whole foundation of why Punk and AEW work together. This was it. All leading to this is this is long-term booking. Punk signing with AEW in 2021, and we got this guy to get AEW to a point where they're nearing a billion-dollar rumor right now. It's crazy. So there's been a lot of talk about potential TV deals in the wrestling business lately. WWE's got their negotiations coming up, and AEW's contract with Warner Brothers Discovery is up this year. Vince McMahon supposed to, right, facilitate deals, and that's it, but... You know, he's leading creative in a higher power. He's not in the weeds anymore. I'll step back when the company sold. Meanwhile, this guy's over there fucking uh, texting Triple H about Omos being on TV weekly and booking half of the fucking WrestleMania card. It's not really what we signed up for. So Vince McMahon's going to be negotiating for Fox and NBCU or wherever WWE's new home is going to be. AEW with Warner Brothers Discovery, they're staying there more than likely. And we may be on the brink of history being made right now for the T-shirt company, the Piss Ant Company. It's been around since four years ago. Four years ago, this was a pipe dream. People caused an uproar with AEW first starting up. Oh, it's not going to last a year. And then year after year after year, oh, yeah, AEW is going to die and how many times have we heard AEW should be dead, AEW is going to die, and this and that? AEW's first deal was signed back in 2019, four years. So it makes sense that a new deal would be negotiated soon. Rumors have started to swirl this week pertaining to just how big of a deal this could be. And if those rumors are true, AEW and Tony Khan are about to embark on history. They already shattered records. In record, you look back at this year. When we get to next year and you look back at what has transpired this year for AEW, this is going to be their most lucrative. This is going to be their biggest year ever. Nobody, nobody expected them to potentially sell out Wembley Stadium. People were lowballing at 30,000, 40,000 people at Wembley People were like, Tony Khan really blew his load on that one. I mean, holy shit, man. He's really going above and beyond. He's going to set himself up for disappointment and failure. They already got 70,000 fucking seats sold 
inside Wembley and you got fucking slobs uh, on Twitter crying about conspiracy theories and you got people claiming Tony Khan bought thousands upon thousands upon thousands of tickets. Where, where are these tickets going? They sold 70. Deal with it. Deal with it. They're going to have more people in one venue than on any single night of WrestleMania this year. Tony Khan knows what the fuck he's doing. He may not be the greatest creative genius, but he knows what the fuck he's doing. Now, you look at Wembley. People said they couldn't do it. They did it. You look at the TV deal coming up. People have predicted their their death. They're about to embark on a fucking multi-million dollar agreement with Warner Brothers Discovery. Nobody thought CM Punk would join AEW. Tony Khan did it. I mean, nobody thought that they would truly be the alternative to WWE and that a second place in the pro wrestling business was going to kill them because WWE was such a juggernaut. Every single time AEW was told they couldn't do it, they did it. Their largest gate, I don't remember what show it was. I mean, they just hit one million. They just started to hit one million live gate revenue. Wembley is already nearing 10 million in revenue for a live gate. They broke their record and said, fuck you on the way to the bank because people said they couldn't do it. It is the largest pro wrestling show outside of a WrestleMania in history. Shattered records. And the goalposts are still being moved back. Now with this TV deal, if they land it, there will be so much crying on social media, I may have to get buckets to contain all the fucking tears of everybody who will be crying over this new TV deal. But why would you be crying over this new TV deal? This TV deal is great for everybody. It's great for all the wrestlers and their families. It's great for Tony Khan. It's great for the company. It's great for pro wrestling. It's great for the fans. AEW apparently is about to put pen to paper on a five-year deal. This is reportedly, nothing's confirmed yet, reportedly a five-year deal worth $1 billion. Now, if true, the new contract will run five years and all AEW programming will be exclusive to Warner Brothers Discovery and its various networks. That's not only Dynamite. That includes all access and collision. And it could mean all future pay-per-views. Now, I'll get to that part in a second with the pay-per-views. If this deal is indeed about to be signed and made official, it would then explain why Dark and Elevation have been scrapped because there's a lot of programming right now that Warner's paying for and they didn't really see any value in Dark and Dark Elevation And that's on YouTube and YouTube is, you know, obviously YouTube. So they can't really own that. They didn't really want that. And the two YouTube shows may have been, may have been discussed as part of being in the negotiations, but Warner Brothers Discovery ultimately decided that uh, between all the shows that I just mentioned, it would have been enough AEW programming across all of their networks and presumably available through its streaming service, HBO Max soon to just become Max. I think they're just going to name it Max, is what the report says. Now, take everything that we just know now with this report, and not only has it not been confirmed, we're going to find out on Wednesday, 
But the rumors appear to have stemmed from the Wrestling Observer message boards. Now, this was also shared by Voices of Wrestling, and I, I found this to be fucking comical. And people started deleted my tweet. Uh, people started to, de- to delete their tweets when I started quote tweeting them because it's fucking ridiculous. Somebody tweeted that Voices of Wrestling posted this news in their Discord server, and that's where they first heard it. Then it made the Wrestling Observer message board. So I, I asked my I asked my people on Twitter. I'm like. So you guys are claiming that this report is factual and this is legit sources from a Discord server? This would have been all over the fucking place. Why don't you wait for a reputable name in entertainment to break this fucking news? If you're going to hear something with this dollar amount from a TV network signing AEW to $1 billion, you're not going to hear it from fucking anime fan squirt 997. I mean, why are you going to listen to these people in a Discord? So what the fuck do they know? Everybody wants to be a journalist and an inside fucking anonymous source now. If it's not from a major news source, something like this is going to be reported by legitimate, credible information. Seriously. So this was shared on social media. This was shared on The Observer. The suggestion that AEW might be about to sign a billion-dollar deal appears to have begun from one of the guys that is synonymous with the message boards on Observer, Ryan Frederick. A fan, or a few fans, have tried to shoot down the very idea of Warner Brothers paying that much for AW content, but Frederick has done the math, and it all adds up. So, I don't know... How or where or who started this? And quite frankly, I don't care. One billion on paper. Or one billion in theory sounds like a lot of fucking money. Sounds like a lot of money. Is AEW worth a billion dollars? I can't tell you if they're worth a billion dollars or not. It's up to Warner Brothers Discovery. Clearly, they are incredibly happy with what AEW has been doing. They just, they're about to sell out Wembley. Their ratings are on par with everything that is on TV in its time slot, the only shit that's beating AEW on cable television is NBA and NFL when it's on. That's it. UFC. AEW is only beat out by other sports. But what those other sports don't have is a full 52-week schedule. Unless preempted, AEW is live, there, ready, and willing, and able to give live programming to Warner Brothers Discovery for 52 weeks a year. They don't have to worry about reruns. They don't have to worry about finding a fucking show to fill into that time slot. They don't have to worry about anything. They have constant new television guaranteed every Wednesday at 8 p.m. and every Saturday at 8 p.m., 52 weeks a year to run live television twice a week. You can't put a price on that. You can't. That is unfathomable in today's market. Shows going off seasons. Sports going off seasons. Shows come back for a season and then they go away for nine months. Still waiting for fucking Yellowstone. I was waiting for The Walking Dead. They got fucking split seasons now. They give you six episodes and then they do, hey, another six months you got to wait for the other half of the fucking season. I'm like, holy fucking shit. 
Plus, you got the writer's strike now. Has anybody mentioned about the, the writer's guild going on strike? Who knows how long they're going to be on strike for? Who knows if Warner or any other fucking network is going to get any new shows in the upcoming months? Whatever shows they got now in the can that are ready to air, who knows when writers are going to get back to work? Who knows when filming is going to get back to work? Who knows when the producing is going to get back to work and the the scheduled filming is going to get back to schedule? Warner is taking all of this into account. They're taking all of this into account and they're saying, well, AEW is not affected by the Writers Guild. AEW is not going into an offseason. AEW is not worried about you know, giving us reruns. We got live television, guaranteed. There is a lot of positive from Warner to AEW on why they would want to keep AEW on their network. It's a great, great feeling for Tony Khan. Great feeling. And he's producing quality content. It's not like AEW is producing shit content on a weekly basis. They produce, you know, they produce good television on a weekly basis. Same thing with WWE. Why do you think WWE was given $2 billion from NBC and Fox, respectively? They got a billion from NBC and $1 billion from Fox over five years. Because they know that WWE is there every Monday and every Friday. You cannot put a price tag on that when football and this and that and everything goes into a fucking offseason. WWE is not going into an offseason. It raises the stock exponentially on whatever AEW and WWE are producing. So that's a positive. That is a huge positive. So if you're one of these fucking sweaty virgin slobs on social media, you ain't thinking about that because all you do is got hatred in your heart and all you got is hatred in your fucking head. Oh, AEW should be dead. Really now? Really now? Here's another one for you. If WWE got a billion... And if AEW is getting a billion, don't you think? Don't you think Nick Khan and WWE with Vince McMahon are going to maneuver more than a billion? If AEW gets a billion, and I mean hits that threshold of a billion dollars over five years, WWE's stock for TV rights deals is going up. Because WWE is clearly the leader, the juggernaut, in this industry, if AEW is getting a billion, then WWE may be worth 1.5 billion, 1.7 billion, 2 billion. So whatever AEW decides to do and whatever money Warner Brothers Discovery is set to pay Tony Khan, WWE is going to see double whatever they make. So on one hand, Tony Khan is benefiting AEW by doing the negotiation here, by getting paid but also, they, don't, they will never admit it, Tony Khan is aiding in WWE getting paid. Now, but AEW should be dead, says the fucking slob online. Jobber Nation, all these fuck Gareth, all these fucking slobs online who have no sources, zero sources. All these people online. You wanted to die... But with AEW getting paid, your precious E is going to get paid. Sounds like a win-win situation to me. They're in the business to make money. 
That's exactly what they're going to do. AEW getting paid is going to also enhance AEW paying their roster, bringing in major names to make the show better, keeping the roster that they have now happy, and it also presents it also it also presents a way for AEW to keep a close eye on everything that's going on with the merger of UFC and WWE because with the rumor going around that there will be 50 to 100 million in budget cuts, how many of those budget cuts are coming from the active roster? Nobody knows. Now, the UFC and fighter pay has been a large topic of discussion. I mean, if you're not a major name, you are not being paid handsomely over on UFC. And I've discussed this with a few people. Some of the fighters' pays are dismal. Yeah, you got to win the fight, and then, yeah, your purse will double, and you'll get your pay. But, you know, they aren't paid guaranteed money. They're not signed to guaranteed money. So I don't know how that's going to affect WWE's active roster right now. So that's something that they're all terribly afraid of. And they're all wondering what's going to happen to their pay. If you're a free agent, knowing that this deal is looming, you're going to give AEW a look and say, well, all this uncertainty over here, I don't want to deal with this shit. I'm going to go over to AEW. and I'm going to see what Tony Khan's got to offer. At least I'm going to get guaranteed money. You think the fucking contracts that WWE right now are paying out guys like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and all these guaranteed contracts? I mean, Kevin Owens reportedly is making $2 million a year. $2 million to $3 million. You think, you think Kevin Owens, you, you think people are going to be making that type of money when their contracts are up? So Drew McIntyre is reportedly upset with the money he has been shown. I don't know if there was a negotiation yet. I don't know why you wouldn't start negotiating with Drew McIntyre, but do you honestly think that he's going to be making that type of money? Do you honestly think that WWE is going to be free to do whatever they want? You remember when AEW was bringing in everybody and WWE had this fear and paranoia about people leaving WWE to go join AEW? I mean, they gave Gallows and Anderson near a million dollars each to stay with the WWE. They signed into a five-year deal. And then they ultimately released them because WWE needed to cut all that budget. They realized, well, why am I afraid of these guys going over there? We don't fucking need them. They were paying out of their ass to keep people away from AEW. You think that's going to be a case now? With Ari Emanuel and UFC and Endeavor? That ain't going to be the case. If you are seeking money that you feel you're worth and you're not going to get it, you're going to go seek employment elsewhere. WWE is going to have a very difficult time keeping people employed if they're already looking to cut budget. And Nick Khan has not been shy about it. He's already said, yeah, we're looking to cut about 50 million. Where do you think the 50 million is coming from? Office cuts? You could cut certain departments. That's not going to equal, you know, 50 million. How many departments are they going to cut? Might as well get rid of all Titan Tower at that fucking point. They're not going to get rid of everybody at Titan Tower. They're going to get rid of the bulk of what they don't need, and they're going to start at Titan, and the the meat of it is going to come from the active roster. Downsizing is going to is going to happen, and that's why AEW getting this type of money is going to be a huge benefit not only to AEW to keep their roster happy, keep everybody fed and contained, but they're already looking at WWE talent 
Oh, this guy's got a contract coming up. That guy's got a contract coming up. She's got a contract coming up. Could be an interesting development. This is also, and I hope, I hope, this is going to hopefully enhance the competitive aspect of WWE. I really hope so. That's another pro to this. Is AEW signing a billion dollars going to enhance the WWE competitive aspect? Well, AEW is making major moves. We got to stay out of the game too. Let's try and do what we got to do over here. Because the one thing, at the end of the day, when cash fails and you can't pay somebody, you're going to have to really take it and pull it out of your ass and start creatively booking these men and women the right way, man. You're going to need to start creating some more captivating television to even have a remote chance of keeping anybody happy at that point. Now, on the flip side, with AEW getting paid a billion, which I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be in the ballpark of $750 million to $800 million maybe. For four years, people were saying with an option of a five, I think they go the full five years. I think they get, they get $800 million out of it. Even that, if AEW is coming within striking distance of what WWE is making per year with their $1 billion for Fox and NBC, NBC Universal, you know WWE is going to be dead set on getting a raise. Well, they got $800 million. They're within striking distance of what we're making. We're worth $1.2, $1.3, $1.5 billion. It's exactly what's going to happen. No matter how you slice it, WWE is going to get paid more than what they're getting now because of AEW. If they don't come in at a billion, WWE still gets paid. But what I'm wondering is, you know how WWE programming largely remained the same and in some circles got worse. They didn't give a shit as long as they were being paid. They were being paid from NBCU. They were being paid from Fox. They were being paid from the Saudis. They didn't give a shit. They put on television because they had a fucking duty to put television on 52 weeks a year. They didn't give a fuck what was on television as long as they were getting paid. That was it. I don't want that to be the case with AEW. Now, I don't think that will be the case. I don't think Tony Khan has it within him to fucking skimp on shows. He's a wrestling fan at heart. He wants the shows to fucking be the best they could be. And Tony Khan, no matter what, if it's 800, 900, a billion, he will continue to grow AEW no matter how much money they are making. I do hope that we see an investment in production. I hope we see better cameras. I hope we see upgrades here to the TV show, to the aesthetics of the show. I do. But as long as the creative largely stays the same, even though they're getting paid, I'll be happy. I don't want them to take the money and be like, all right, we won. Now we can take it easy and we can go in half-assed. This should motivate you more so to continue to put on television because if I'm, I'm making anywhere close to a billion now, at the end of this five years, I'm going to want more than what we made this, this round. That's the mentality that they should have. So I'm hoping that we get Tony Khan and this deal. It lights an even greater fire underneath him. Now, for the Wembley show, I mean, this is a separate instance, a separate thing. You know, for all the people that are coming up with these conspiracy theories For uh, Wembley, Tony Khan bought the tickets and blah, blah, blah. And the goalposts continue to be moved back and back and back. AEW this, AEW that. Scalpers, whatever the fucking case may be. You do not know how big of a deal this is. You don't. 
This has solidified AEW for the first time in their existence overseas as a juggernaut. Yes, the crowds and the demand are different in the United Kingdom, in Europe, over on the other side of the globe compared to what we got here. We are greedy. We are spoiled when it comes to professional wrestling. You can watch professional wrestling from any part of the United States. You want to watch GCW, you want to watch Impact, you want to watch House of Glory, you want to watch fucking uh, AEW, WWE, PWG, fucking uh, whatever. There is so much pro wrestling here for you to watch, for you to digest, for you to go out there and feel in person. How many people over in the United Kingdom, how many people on that side of the globe get professional wrestling the way we do here? Not many. Not many. They've already solidified themselves as a juggernaut. You don't think, and this is what I don't understand, people are already putting this down. Ah, it sucks. It's not, a, it's not a big deal. It absolutely is a big deal. Because with AEW going into Wembley, already selling 70,000 seats, more than likely nearing the 80,000 mark, they've already solidified that the next time they want to do something, that the same type of interest and numbers are going to happen. So this is just London. This is Wembley. You don't think some other country is going to be willing to pay AEW to come on in if this is the type of reaction that they're going to get? They've already solidified themselves with the next major event they want to do because they know the demand is there. Well, if Wembley can do it, shit, let's get them. Let's get them into Cardiff or let's get them in Ireland or let's get them in Saudi or Australia or wherever you want to hold a pro wrestling show. France, Italy, it doesn't matter. The demand is there. So they've already solidified themselves as an international juggernaut right out of the gate with a $10 million gate with this Wembley show. Now, AEW, where are they going to air their pay-per-views? Apparently, AEW may be airing all in on HBO Max. Now, we don't know what that is going to entail. We don't know if that's actually legit. But with this deal rumored to be signed next week, AEW content is set to be exclusive to Warner Brothers Discovery. What, what does that mean? Dynamite, Collision, everything that comes along with those two shows, yes. Does this mean that AEW is going to pull pay-per-views off of traditional pay-per-view and air them on HBO Max exclusively? Now that, for the fan, is going to be great. You pay $9.99 or whatever HBO Max is nowadays. I don't know what it, what is it, $20, $14.99? I don't even know. I got a subscription. I don't even know what the fuck I'm paying. It's a lot less than $50 per pop for a pay-per-view five times a year. So no matter what it is, you know, you'll be fine. Plus you get other shit on there. How many people, how many times has Peacock or NBC Universal touted that with a WrestleMania, how many more unique visitors to Peacock has there been an uptick in people looking for WWE, ultimately finding themselves browsing other shit on Peacock? I mean, it's a win-win situation. Same thing's going to happen if they air all in on HBO Max and vice versa. If you're on HBO Max and you watch something regularly on HBO Max, you're going to see this sporting event all in, AEW all in. What's this? You're going to see a Goldberg. You're going to see a Sting. You're going to see a Chris Jericho. You're going to see a CM Punk. You're going to hear Jim Ross on television. You're going to like you're going to be like what the fuck is this shit? 
I didn't know this was a thing. What is this, a new promotion? You're going to go and research. You're going to find out what AEW is. You're going to take what you know there. You're going to find out that they're on weekly television twice a week. And you're going to convert a new fan. Now, just multiply that by millions. This is a win-win situation. So if they want to air pay-per-view on Max, HBO Max, I'm all for it. But I don't know why Tony Khan would want to move away from the traditional pay-per-view model. I don't. Now, we don't know what this is going to mean. Is everything going to be on HBO Max? Or is only some of it going to be on HBO Max? We don't know. They only do it four times a year, five times a year now with the inclusion of Forbidden Door. We got Revolution, Double or Nothing, Forbidden Door, All Out, and Full Gear. That's it. Five shows per year. Five. Now... Does that mean we get pay-per-view and special events happening like All In on HBO Max once or twice a year in the beginning of the year and then at the end of the year? I don't know. You don't want to overload your pay-per-view schedule. You don't want to go and do something more than you have to. Some people are saying five is a great spot to be in with pay-per-view. Six with this All In show. Six is the sweet spot. Once you get talking about seven, eight, nine pay-per-views, then you're, then you're venturing in territory where it's like, all right, that may be a little bit too much for the AW model. We discussed this on last night's show. Once every other month, as long as you have a consistent one pay-per-view every other month, you should be fine. Sometimes, and I mean this, sometimes AEW television largely feels unimportant because there is so long in between pay-per-view builds Sometime when they have a great pay-per-view, Revolution was a great pay-per-view. Fucking great show. In between that, we got Revolution, the next show's Double or Nothing. How many shows felt largely unimportant with Tony Khan just throwing random matches out there to fill two hours of TV? If you cut that down by four weeks, five weeks, and you do one pay-per-view every other month, The TV is going to largely feel more important and largely feel better because AEW will have to be on top of their game and they will be more consistent with the creative instead of taking, yeah, well, let's take three, four weeks off and then start the pay-per-view build with a month and a half left to go. Nobody wants that. I don't want that. I don't want to watch a Dynamite where I'm feeling like, It's dragging and there's nothing important and there's no story. Yeah, great match with Bandito and Brian Danielson or Bandito and Arch Cassidy, but there's no fucking story. There's no story. So I think that would be perfect. I don't know why AEW would abandon their pay-per-view model, $50 a pop. They usually pull in 100, 120, 130,000 pay-per-view buys. That's a lot of fucking money for Tony Khan. It's a lot of money you're going to be giving up. Now, to put that all on HBO Max, if HBO Max is confident in AEW, where the bulk of this this contract that they're going to be paying out comes in the form of, well, if AEW's on there and we move the pay-per-views on there, HBO Max can certainly pay out, just based off the numbers, pay out to Tony Khan what he feels or what they feel the pay-per-views would normally do on pay-per-view. So if you want to move the pay-per-views to HBO Max... And charge $14.99 or whatever it is to sign up monthly for HBO Max, as long as Tony Khan's being paid for the money that he could potentially make on pay-per-view for those pay-per-views moving to HBO Max, why not? That may be a part of the deal. We don't know. We don't know. 
But if they are not moving everything to HBO Max, I don't see why Tony Khan would pull traditional pay-per-view from AEW. Because that's a lot of fucking money. But if they're being paid that money on the back end in this contract and they're moving everything over to HBO Max, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Plus, then you'll get Dynamite on rerun, on demand. You'll get Collision on rerun, on demand. So you could go back and watch it whenever you want. They'll air on the week after it airs on live television. I mean, this is what we wanted. Nobody saw this coming in four years. It took them four years to accomplish all of this that I'm talking about. Not official yet, but the talk of it is exciting. This is tremendous shit. Tremendous shit. I don't know how you're not excited about this, to be honest with you. So will they move to HBO Max? I don't know. I'm pretty confident that AEW will be airing all in on HBO Max. Is it just all in? Are we going to get another major event that happens like that with the scale of all in some other time on HBO Max? Is that going to be the home for those types of shows? Or is HBO Max going to be the home for AEW pay-per-view moving forward? Because I don't really I don't really know if anybody has a problem at all. Now, the thing is, if all ends on HBO Max, that's great. But if it's not, then you're really asking the fans a lot to pay $50 for all in on pay-per-view. And then one week later, all out's happening. Another $50 there. You're going to spend over $100 on back-to-back pay-per-views, back-to-back weeks for AEW. That's a lot to ask from your fan base to put all in on Max and then have them... The fans pay for all out the week later at $50. That's a little bit more easy to digest. It's going to be a very interesting week coming up. A very interesting week coming up. I don't know what's going to happen with this, man, but I'm going to keep an eye on all this. This is fucking exciting to me. This really is. But for all the people out there, man, that keep moving the goalposts, please cut this shit out, man. Fucking shut the fuck up. Honestly. There's nothing but positive to come out of this. This 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 all affects WWE in a positive way as well. It does, no matter if you want to admit it or not. This is great shit. I love everything that's happening here, man. I'm super excited for AEW and super excited for Tony Khan. Now we just got to get the fucking shows the way that they need to be. I mean, they could they could be they could be running the most perfect wrestling show if they wanted. They have all the tools to. They got the roster. They got all the tools to. So we'll keep an eye on it, man. We'll keep an eye on it. There's a lot of interest, Tony Khan says, in the library as well as the new weekly content we continue to produce each week. I do think there's a lot of demand for a library. It makes a lot of sense for us to try and make that AEW library available to fans all over the world on demand. Tony Khan is very careful with what he says when he wants to say it. He doesn't really divulge information like that normally. The fact that he said that in regards to this might have been a little Easter egg on where AEW program is going to end up, and it may end up on HBO Max. Guys, that's all I got for you. If you enjoyed the post or the uh, podcast today, not post-show, we're not post-showing anything here. If you enjoyed the podcast today, man, for episode 476, please hit that thumbs up down below. Please follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. 
Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below and turn on the bell for notifications. Go and get yourself the brand new Legend of JD t-shirt, man. Now available. Link is in the description. We are celebrating the release of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom tomorrow. If I can get my hands on it at the Nintendo store when I walk to the gym tomorrow in Manhattan, I'll be picking it up myself. But when I tell you it's the greatest looking design that we've ever had, go get yours today, man. Link is in the description. Today's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. You guys know summer's coming up, man. It's a balmy 75 degrees today in New York City. It's going to be 81 tomorrow. Summer's here, guys. I want to know, are you on ready to unveil your beach bod? I'm not there yet, but my guy Evil Genius is getting me ready, man. Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene products. Don't be the guy that's at the beach with the Austin Powers chest hair. And if you grew some winter man tits, which I know most of you wrestling fans do have, the least you can do is try and make sure that they're hairless. It's time to get ready for the hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com. Manscaped.com using code SCRIPT20 at checkout for 20% off. The kit comes with the lawnmower 4.0. You guys are also going to get the crop preserver, the crop reviver. That is their ball deodorant and their ball toner. The lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof. It's a cordless body trimmer. And whether you're shaving your chest or you're trimming down below, their trimmer features a ceramic blade designed to cut hair on loose skin and reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Also included is the Weed Whacker 2.0. Nose hairs, goodbye. Gone for the summer. You're also going to get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which is beautiful. It's a $39 value. And the patented high-performance reducing reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. So having the right tools for grooming is essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. 20% off manscaped.com using code SCRIPT20 at checkout. Trim your chesticles with the besticles. Let's get into these super chats, guys, and then we're going to get the hell out of here. Start at the top, William with a $5 super chat. Sorry if I asked last night, but with Roderick Strong versus Chris Jericho next week, having Bay Bay and the JAS band, could we see a return of Kyle O'Reilly? Or is he still hurt? I think Kyle is still hurt. I don't think Kyle is anywhere near ready to come back. Uh, but that is a that is a ballsy prediction there, bro. And I would not really uh I would not really shy away from that one. There's a possibility. I would think it's more of a possibility he shows up than somebody else joining the JAS. They got enough members. 
So we could definitely see uh, Kyle O'Reilly back on television. And, you know, I'm sure Tony Khan would love him back by All In. I'm sure Tony Khan would love him back with the uh, former Undisputed Era guys. We'll see what happens, man. You may be correct on that one. Nick Positano. $10 Super Chat. This is Nick's first Super Chat. Thank you, brother. Thank you for all that you do. Let's hope if they do a hard brand split, Tony has enough people with him that learned from the mistakes of WWE. People bouncing around, 50 champions on each show, etc. Um, I think Tony's got a good team over there, bro. I think Tony's got a good team over there. I think he'll do uh, fine. If they do want to explore a true brand split, Cody Snyder with a $5 Super Chat. Been absent a bit lately. May be for a bit. A friend's project and a couple of big upcoming events. The love support goes on. Cheers, Chief OTS. And he leaves me two beer emojis. Thank you, brother. Hopefully all is well, man. When you are ready to return semi-full-time, we'll be here. Flash Jordan with the three months. Thank you, brother. Three months in the OTS VIP club. We all know SmackDown going to be a eh show tomorrow. Can you book the show like you were in charge? Also, come to Houston. We have some good bars here. Um, I'm sure that if WWE brought me on as a creative consultant, I'm sure I could make a difference with what I would bring to the table. No doubt about it. But that would never happen. Thank you, Flash Jordan. Sidro with a $5 super chat. What do you call it when you're arguing with The Rock and Juice Robinson? You're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Bro, that was that was a good one, man. That was that was definitely one of your better ones, bro. One of your better ones, man. I appreciate that one. That was great. Jonathan Bordeaux with a $5 Super Chat. Hope you and the OTS crew are doing well. Keep being positive, you guys. Thank you, brother. El Masse with a 1999 Super Chat. My favorite Wembley conspiracy theory is the one where Vince bought all the tickets and is going to put cutouts of Omas in each seat. Bro, they keep moving the goalposts back as far as they possibly can, and they're only making themselves look like a complete bunch of clowns. Seriously. Elvin with a $10 super chat. I just tuned in to you looking at the camera and saying, ridiculous. I felt personally attacked. Much love, brother. Want to see that new Mustang once you get it. I don't know, man. It's pretty expensive. We'll see. I'd like to make uh, some strides to have that happen, but we'll see. Jay Best with a 199 Super Chat. Do you have a P.O. Box for fans to send gifts? Uh, Jay, I do not have a P.O. Box. I don't think that's ever going to happen either. I don't really trust anybody. Not to say I don't trust you. I just, in general, I don't trust anybody. Sean Watkins with a new membership. Sean, thank you for joining the VIP club, brother. Dylan Cummings. Dylan is coming. $4.99. Hey, JD, what's your plans for Forbidden Door? Are you hosting something, traveling to Toronto from Scotland? 
hope to see you. Um, I, I don't know at this moment, bro. I really don't know. Um, I really want to make sure that my work is not going to suffer if I do make it to Toronto. I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to uh, join the media crew there. I don't. Uh, I'm working on it. But uh, we will see what happens, man. I'd love to. Golden Boy with the 19 months. Still rocking out with the best there is in the IWC. Great job as always. Do you think the big announcement from TK has to do with Collision, JD? Yes. Part of it is going to be Collision. I'm assuming the announcement that Tony Khan alluded to on Dynamite last night is going to be Collision and CM Punk. Because you absolutely need to, in advance, promote CM Punk. Justin with the nine months, with Collision coming. How about we end Rampage, put Collision on early in the night, so that way they won't have to preempt it with the NHL and NBA playoffs. I, I don't know what they got going on on Friday nights, man. On eight, uh, at 8 p.m., I don't even want it stepping on SmackDown's toes. I don't. Because there's already a rumor that WWE is set to retaliate. And I got a video coming this weekend. It's already recorded. All my VIPs are probably going to get it early. WWE is already planning to retaliate against Collision on Saturday night. Now, what that means, I don't know. Are they going to have their own Saturday show? Who knows? But moving it to Friday and putting it on primetime, man, you're just going to be stepping on SmackDown's toes, and I don't really want that. Thursday would be ideal. But again, I don't know. Chris with a 9.99. Hey, JD, love the podcast today. I have Edge winning the World Heavyweight Championship. Rollins wins the Royal Rumble. Rollins versus Edge at WrestleMania 40 with Edge having his retirement match and Rollins winning the World Heavyweight title. Cody versus Roman 2 at SummerSlam. Could be. After Edge's promo on Twitter today, man, a lot of people are wanting him to win the world title. But I'm sticking with my guns, man. I'm sticking with my heart. I think Seth Rollins wins the World Heavyweight title. At Night of Champions. Edge can't win it. Edge is on SmackDown. So if Edge goes to the finals, he wins the title and then moves over to Monday Night Raw. They're going to have to replace Edge with somebody else on SmackDown. Maybe that would be Cody. I don't know. The cake with a $2 super chat. Remember when Priest was getting no reactions? Zero reactions. And now he is getting reactions in the Judgment Day big time. Raging Girl Gamer with a 31 months. Rage says she got fired from her job thinking I was doing a good job. It hurts and I'm frustrated. Since my mom passed, it's been rough. I'm tired of trying. Rage. There is always Another chapter to be written. How many times I was let go from jobs thinking that same thing? I went unemployed for 11 months while I dwelled in my apartment, not knowing what was coming next. I tried and tried and tried, and I tried to get a new job no matter where it was. I tried to reach out to anybody that would be willing to help. Unlike now, I try to reach out to people in the community that would be willing to help me, and they all fucking turn their back on me because it is what it is. But 
you're eventually going to land on your feet. There's going to be another job opening, and you're going to find something that you're even better at and more happy doing, Rage. So you could be frustrated. You could be hurt. I'm not telling you you can't feel those things, but honestly, from me to you, I know it's been tough with your mom passing, but you got to do it for your mother, and your mother would want you to stand up, be proud, and continue to work your ass off. So we love you, and keep trying. Keep trying. You know how many times, how many times I probably said to myself, I'm tired of trying. I don't see what the point of it is going to the gym. And then I step on the scale and I lose a pound here, two pounds there, and I'm down 10 pounds now from when I first started the program. That's an eye-opening thing. You keep trying. So keep trying. I don't want to hear that you're giving up or you're tired of trying. Zay the Legend with the 499. Just bought tickets for All In. Let's go. OTS for life. Congratulations, Zay. Tay-Tay with a 199. Can you do the Charlotte Flair? My husband does a better moonsault than me. Cake with a $2 super chat. I have a song recommendation released by Edu Aru. Off. Cake, if I can't pronounce the proper uh, pronunciation of the band name, I probably will not like it. Eugene Morgan with a $20 super chat. Punk is Bret Hart 2.0 and the Bucks are Shawn Michaels 2.0. This whole thing about jealousy and the Bucks want the affirmation and the same respect level of Sam Punk. It's repeat 1997. How else do you explain it? Basically, it's a pretty uh, spot-on comparison there, Eugene. Matt, fugitive with a one month in the venue. Thank you, brother, for a VIP membership of one month. Enjoy being a VIP at one of the best venues in the digital space. He may be the only venue in the digital space. Here's to many more months supporting OTS. Keep up the great work, JD. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you, brother. Jacob Sims with a new membership. What the fuck are you drinking, Jacob? No message. Thank you, man. Nick. Positano with a five. The thing that scares me about a hard brand split is having people like Sonny Kiss, Marie Shafir, and Lesser Talent forced down our throats. Bro, that is what Ring of Honor is for. That is what Rampage is for. Full Whites with a 199. Wrestling Observer newsletter is filled with a bunch of boomers spewing bullshit. Colby Duran with a one month. Hey, JD, big fan. Love my membership. Can I get a classic big show imitation for my one month membership? You guys are crazy, man. Uh, Colby Duran with a one month. Hey, JD, big fan. Love, 
Love my membership. Can I get a classic big shot? I just read that. That, that. Thank you, Colby. Corey Williams. Corey Williams with nine months. AEW Wrestling, billion dollar TV deal. Awesome. I'm happy for AEW. I, everybody should be. Everybody should be. Uh, Hollywood guy with a $10 super chat. WWE needs to put great television on if Endeavor pays more or the networks. Vince needs to get his head out of his ass. Oh, and where is Karrion Cross? Is he on a milk cart? He just wrestled Shinsuke Nakamura on Friday Night SmackDown in a very good television match, Hollywood guy. Where, where have you been? Johnny with a new membership. Thank you, Johnny. The fuck are you drinking tonight, man? Noah Tacon with 10 months. Make sure to support Jesse tonight with his impact review. Jesse is reviewing impact tonight. <laughs> Nobody watches impact, man. <laughs> With a $10 super chat. I just found your channel last week. You are awesome. I love your transparency. Stan G, it's what I built my channel on, brother. Thank you for being here. Johnny with a $5 super chat. First super chat, JD. What are your top three attitude hour mid-card theme songs? I don't know, man. Um, Stone Cold. Kane. And for the hell of it, I'm going to say Val Venus. Hello, ladies. The Reverend with a 199. The Lord loves you, JD, and so do I. Blessed be. Thank you, Reverend. Basic with a 499. As long as Vince is there, the WWE will never be competitive. Vince will continue to do his tired and recycled formula. Vince is making money. The Reverend with a 199 super chat. Do you love Kenny Chesney? High glory. Blessed be. Uh, no. NCO7, seven months. Thank you, NC. Chris Bell with a 199. Can I get a Cameron Grimes to the moon? We'll see him tomorrow night. We'll see him tomorrow night. And the Reverend with a 199 super chat. He says, may the Lord strike my baby mama down with lightning. Jesus Christ, Reverend. It's not very uh it's not very uh church-like. Anyway, I appreciate you guys for hanging out tonight, man. Thank you for a great stream. I think we got a lot of information across tonight. 
Let me know what you guys think of this impending AEW deal. What the pros and cons are of it. What you like, what you don't like, what you're concerned about. Sound off in the comments, in the comments section. Go check out Manscaped, my sponsor for tonight's show, man. Manscaped.com. Code script 20 at checkout for 20% off. Make sure you guys go and get your Legend of JD t-shirts, man. I'm telling you, man, there is a very, very, very limited number of t-shirts. They are gone when they are completely sold out. You guys are the first to hear about it, man. I haven't even posted about it on Twitter yet. Go get them. It's going to be tremendous. They're going to be like, you're going to be like, man, this shirt is fucking great. You're going to wear it. People are going to be like, man, that's an awesome shirt. Guarantee it. The best looking wrestling shirt in the entire community, bar none. Nobody, nobody even comes close. Nobody. You better get it now. Act fast, I'm telling you. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. We got extras coming on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday. I'll be live in the venue for SmackDown on Friday night. You guys know the deal, man. We'll be right back here doing what we do best. About the world title tournament continuing on SmackDown. Jedi Joker with the $5 Super Chat. On my way to work. Sorry I couldn't catch the stream live, but I'll listen when I'm working. You to go, JD. Nobody better. Who better? Who better? Like Canyon says, who better? Where do you get it? Link is in the description for the shirt, guys. The link is legitimately in the description. Anyway, I appreciate you guys. Love you. Thank you for a great stream. I'll see you back in the venue tomorrow night right here for SmackDown on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress 
to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.